Don't sweat the small stuff. Whatever your big issue is today, I promise the issues are going to be way worse in the future as they get older. <laughs> Just try to relax. Know that you're a good parent. Know that you love your child and they love you. And, and it's all going to work out. And manage expectations. Welcome to Pass the Power with me, Paige Parker. I'm an author, advocate, tiger mom, and even claim a Guinness World Record for traveling the world to 116 countries with my husband, Jim Rogers. We up and left New York City 15 years ago to move to Singapore. Why? Because we believe Asia is the future and we wanted to immerse our daughters in Asia as well as for them to be fluent in Mandarin. Tamin Shaw, Hin Hao, Mama Shaw, Bu Hao. This podcast began during the pandemic because I wanted to offer conversations of hope. And as it evolves, I hope I do too. I'll dig deeper personally and give you more from guests as I continue to tap into my connections, sharing the most compelling stories to help you attain your goals personally and professionally. As a lifelong learner myself, there's little more I enjoy than exploring topics with our fascinating guests and sharing it all with you. So together, we may pass the power. My two daughters, uh, Hilton is... Hilton Augusta Parker Rogers, and she's 19. She is a sophomore at Columbia University in New York, and I think she's going to major in political science, and I require her to take a Mandarin class. Also is something that I have highly encouraged as a mother. B is Belen Anderson Parker Rogers. B is 14. She is in Sec 3 at Nanyang Girls High. She's on the debate team. She's on the announcements team. B is a complete uh, overachiever. I think she has fire in her belly and she wants to do well as a human being but she also wants to beat her sister in everything that she's ever done. Both of my kids are smart, yes, but they work hard. A lot of people think I'm lucky because I have smart kids. Actually they work really hard to get the grades and to do the things. They're not naturally gifted like some kids who don't really need to work. They work very, very hard and they're they're thoughtful children they're kind they think about others beyond themselves which i think is part of the culture in asia which they received that kind of community centric mindset by growing up here and going to the local school in singapore so i feel incredibly blessed to have two amazing daughters hilton who's 19 was born in new york and I was a complete tiger mom. And as soon as she came out, I enrolled her in things. So I mean, probably at age three months, we were going to music class and we would sit in a circle and she'd like balance on my lap. But it was very early with Hilton because when she was born, she was called Hilton Augusta. It's a double name. It's crazy, but in the South, people do that. And she and I are both from the South. When we went to music class, everybody in the class was named Zoe, Zara, Zia. And then we had to fit Hilton Augusta into the song also. And people started giving her nicknames like Hilti and Gusta. And then she started calling herself Kwaila, which means happy uh, in uh, Chinese. And so we started calling her happy in English. So that's how she got the nickname. Complete role reversal. Oh, and I also had her swimming, you know, at a very, very young age. Complete change when I had B. I didn't put her into swim class until she was like a year old, I just realized I didn't have to do things so soon and it was probably better to spend quality time with them than trying to get them in every single class. And I think with a second child, you have the luxury of the you know hindsight and you are able to probably 
mom a little bit better the second time around because the first time you're worried about everything. The first time, if anything fell on the floor, I was like, oh my God. And by the time you have a second child, it's like a three second rule. Uh, you know, if you can pick it up in three seconds, it's okay for her to eat, right? So you just really have a major, I had a major mindset shift between the first and the second child. But I've always believed in putting them in outside learning, outside of school. I think all moms, all parents have, um, between the first and second child, they, they know kind of what is really important and the FOMO kind of dies out. All of the things that we think we have to do, that the books tell us we have to do, that the internet tells us we have to do, that society tells us we have to do, we start to realize, you know, maybe we really don't have to do that. So I think as a parent, I went from a tiger mom to kind of a more tamed tiger mom because I still believe that we need to push our kids um, and we need to make sure that they understand that their job until they finish university is to be a student, which means they need to do well at their job. So I think we have to push them. I push really hard with Hilton. I pushed really hard with B, but with both of them, I realized But by the time they were in upper primary school, they were pushing themselves enough that I actually stopped the pushing. When you know they're smart and you know they're driven, you also then have to start taking care of them and making sure they don't push themselves too hard because the last thing we want is that for them to max out when they are in primary school or secondary school. So I, I, I certainly evolved and became a little more chill. I think both of my daughters would laugh and say, mom, you are definitely not chill. I still expect them to do well and I'm still very driven and push them to be good kids and excel in what they do. But I think I did become a little bit tamer. Well, Hilton actually arrived here when she was four and a half. So she was at Nanyang Kindergarten. And so she did the whole local system just like me did. But I think as a parent, I changed more as I went through the system with the girls because when I first arrived, I mean, we, we moved within one kilometer. I was a parent volunteer. We did everything that parents do to get their child into the school that where you want them to go. And uh, I have absolutely no regrets over that. And people said to me, why are you trying to get into a system that we're all trying to get out of? It's so hard. It's so difficult. Why do you want to put your kids through this? And I was like, oh, I want rigor. I don't, you know, this is what I want. And then you get in the system and you realize they're right. The kids are working too hard and the kids are studying too much. But that's, that's how you excel in this system. So I have changed that mindset where of course I want them to be smart and driven but I also know that to be the absolute top girl at school is not going to make or break them in life and I would rather them get enough sleep and have a balanced life than to be top girl and I think most parents in Singapore probably don't feel that way so I have evolved as a mother and a parent certainly and part of that is the education system in Singapore. Engage with Paige. My daughters often tell me I'm super corny because I love motivational, educational quotes, books, and podcasts. When a quote hits me, I write it down on a sticky note and put it on the mirror in my bathroom so I can see it and live it and take it in every single day. The quote on my mirror now is, everyone is fighting a mountain we can't see. I love that. Everyone has drama, demons, and struggles even if they appear to have a utopian life. The quote is a constant reminder to have empathy, be kind, and uplift others. The next time a quote touches you, message me on Instagram and share it with me, because I probably need it. That's a very interesting question, and I think that we all parent according to how we were parented. And sometimes that means if we model it and we do what we learned when we were growing up. But for me, my mother had a career, 
and my mother wanted me to be a well-rounded child, so I did everything. And I feel like I was kind of a master of nothing, but I did everything pretty good. And also because she worked, uh, my mom, both of my parents had careers, so they were working a lot. And from the time I was one year old, I stayed with a lady, took care of me when I was a baby, and then I was in nursery school, so like I was a latchkey kid. Primary school, I rode my bike to school, and then I rode it to this lady in the neighborhood who kept all the kids. And then, yeah, my, my dad or mom would pick me up and I would go home. That has made me want to be far more hands-on with my children because I felt like I didn't get enough time with my parents because they were working all the time. So I think that's a direct result of, you know, them having both very accomplished careers. I also think that because I don't think my parents pushed me hard enough, I did pretty well, really well, without working my hardest. And she would say, did you do your best? And I would say, I did my best. And she'd say, well, that's good enough for me. And looking back, did I really do my best? No. The 87 I got, I probably could have gotten a 97 or full marks if I'd worked really hard, but she was okay with the 87. So then you don't really push yourself to get the 97. And so I think that also affects how I push my daughters. And I think children, you know, from kindergarten and primary school, they're not innately driven. And there are very few of them who are going to do their best unless you manage expectations and expect them to do well. If you know they're smart, if they've got issues, obviously you can't do this. But if you know you've got smart, capable children, then you need to drive them. You need to push them because they're not going to do it innately. It's not natural to push yourself to do your absolute best when you're eight years old. You'd rather be on the playground. So I think that pushing them early on was very important to me. And then they that drive is in them. I mean, I think part of it is uh, organic in them and innate, but also they had expectations that they should do well at school. Certainly my parenting uh, is a direct result of how uh, my parents parented me. Another really interesting thing is that my mother, when she cooked, she used a lot of canned goods because she was, you know, working a full-time career. We didn't have anybody at home to, to help us with the cooking and and um, we did have one lady who would come once a week and help with the cleaning in the house. But I mean, we didn't have a, a helper like many people in Singapore have. So she'd get home and needed to cook dinner. And so we'd have sometimes, I remember we had something like canned beets, beetroot. And I remember I was probably in university before I ever had like fresh beetroot, like not from a can. And I always hated beetroot. And then I had like real beetroot for like freshmen. And I was like, oh my God, this is so good. Like, so for me now as a mom, I will not give my children anything that's canned. I like want everything to be fresh. And all of this is because of how I grew up. So all the parents out there just know that everything you're doing right now is going to some way shape your kid, good or bad. <laughs> I love this question. And I think that I have been able to bridge both. And I appreciate both. I feel like the stereotype is the Western way or the American way is certainly very permissive. It's permissive parenting. And then the Asian way, many people would say, is very authoritarian. I feel like I'm a mix in between. I think that children who are capable and don't have learning issues, when the teacher says sit in the circle, they need to sit in the damn circle. And if they want to wander off, I think they should be encouraged back to the circle. 
and I feel America now is very gray where if the kid doesn't want to sit in the circle, they're like, it's okay if Johnny wants to not sit in the circle. I'm like, no, sit in the circle. There's free time when you can do what you want, but right now we're sitting in the circle and we're doing this. So I think that's maybe a more Asian mindset. And for me, that is completely what I want. And many of my friends here, most of my friends are Singaporean and they say, you, you're, you're so Asian, you have such an Asian mindset. You look at life like we do. And, you know, there's still this stereotype that everything here is rote, which is absolutely wrong. It is not rote. The kids are capable of speaking out, raising their hands and having really interesting conversations. So it's not rote here. But there, there are times that I do feel that the community centric way of not standing out is to the detriment of the children. And the Western way would be very individualistic where the child wants to be number one and not kind of had that community centric way of looking at things like the Asian way. That's something that I think is a challenge because I, I, I understand it, but I also know that a child should never be to told to dull their sparkle and a child should um, you know, do the things that she loves. And if that means volunteering for you know, multiple different things and being involved in so many things at school, that should be encouraged and not discouraged because it perhaps makes her sparkle brighter than someone else's. When I was pregnant, I read What to Expect When You're Expecting. I think every pregnant mother in America reads this book. And it's so specific on like all the things that are gonna happen and all the things that you're gonna do. And it's like, it's so tedious and you like get caught up in doing all of it. Uh, there was also a book called The Baby Book. And that was another one of those things where you just feel like you have to do everything in the book and do it perfectly. I read a book on sleeping because B would not sleep. And I had to pat pat her to bed every single night. And the books were like, just let her cry it out. And so Jim and I, it was so funny. We would tell her good night, we would go away. And then like 30 minutes later, she was still screaming and I would go back in and I would pat pat her to sleep. And I remember telling Jim, to hell with a damn book. If I have to pat her to sleep until the age of 26, I'm gonna do it. I can't stand this screaming. So I think we do get caught up a lot in like what we're told and how it should be. But as parents, you just have to figure out. And by the way, she is now 14 and I'm not patting her to sleep. So at some point, she grew out of it and I didn't do what the book told me. I, another book that I really like is my husband's book. It's called A Gift to My Daughters and he wrote to them things like wear sunscreen <laughs> and the boys are going to need you more than you need the boys and you know be financially literate. So really, really good counsel uh, from Jim to the girls. Having said all this, I think you just can't get too caught up. Uh, in the books. Read broadly because I promise one author is going to tell you one thing and somebody else is going to say another. So, Well, the one thing I do that works is I say yes to life. I remember getting this question on Instagram. I, I mean, certainly they have princessy moments where they have an attitude. I assume that's what this means. They have an attitude or they are a little bit sassy. It's, it's gonna happen. Yes, it's part of growing up, yes. But I think that ultimately, if you respect your spouse, if you respect your children, then they will respect you and they will, you know, they will respect others around. If you don't show respect, if you holler at your helper, then probably your children are gonna do the same thing. And it's about just being respectful, mindful, but there are, everybody has moments, so I promise they're not perfect. Of course, I don't think there's a parent alive who has not had a fight with their children. However, we don't really fight, but we've certainly had incidents where they're mad at me 
or don't like a decision that I have made, but I told them, I've told them all of their lives that when they grow up and have children on their own, we'll be buddies and we'll be friends. But right now I'm mama and I'm gonna have to do some things that you don't like. And I've never tried to be like the friendly mom, you know, the best friend mom, because it's not my role. One example of a time when Hilton was so mad at Jim and at me was when she was applying for university. She wanted to apply early admissions to Columbia, which is where she's going now. And we said no, because some schools, if you apply early, that's the only school you can apply to. And we wanted her to, and this is the only school Hilton has ever wanted to go to. Since she was four, she said, I wanna go to Columbia. But we wanted her to apply to other schools. She applied the year that COVID was going on and people couldn't do ACT and SAT. And so they didn't require these scores. And so all of the schools saw like 50% increase in applications. So to get into a top school like Columbia, was already hard and then it became so much harder. And then she did so well on her ACT score and it didn't count. Long story short, we didn't let her apply early. Uh, She didn't speak to us for a week. And then uh, ultimately she got in through regular admissions and even though she got into other schools, uh, she said, you know, kind of mom and daddy, I'm going to Columbia, which is what she told us all along. But that was a moment where she really was so upset with our decision, but we did what we thought was right she didn't like it because she knew she wanted to go to Columbia but as parents we wanted her to have more options and so that's why we didn't let her do it she didn't speak to us for a week I think she just came around she I mean we I was sending messages I think she came around but I mean it was many months before she actually received the acceptance because she had to apply through regular admissions instead of early so in hindsight would I do it again yes I would I think in life, the answer to everything is managing expectations. When they were younger, as I said, I pushed them super hard. And as they are older, I know they're smart and I know they're driven. So I'm not worried that they're, they're going to be okay. And that is a great confidence as a mom. So it allows you to mother differently. And so I feel like you know the strengths of your children or that I know the strengths of my daughters. And if it's a subject that maybe they're not as strong on, then I will say, what are you, what are you aiming for? And if the If the mark is like really high, I'm like, well, wouldn't you be happy if you just got an A? Would you be okay if you got an 80? Just kind of talking about like the lower grades. So it's already there in their minds that if they don't do extraordinarily well, it's going to be okay. So I think that kind of managing the expectation is there. I send notes when she has exams, like I'll stick it in her pencil case. So when she gets there and she opens the pencil case, it'll be like Jayo or Go B or I love you, or you got this. I I mean, just little things to inspire and encourage. And also I I tell them if you do terribly, I'm not gonna love you any less. I know, especially, I mean, I see how hard B works. I'm like, I've seen how hard you work. And if you don't do well, it's not because you didn't put in the effort. So you, you cannot beat yourself up. For kids who don't work hard and then don't do well, it's a whole different story. But if you know your child is working super hard and then the child doesn't do well, you cannot berate them. I would, another one of those Jayo Jayo, I would would say, come on, let's get on the bus. Let's do this. Let's get this done. And I would push. But I, I must say, my kids are not perfect. It sounds like they are like these ideal and they're not, they're not working like all, all the time. And I don't push them all the time when they're, when they have their off day or, you know, when, when school's not in session, sometimes they're just lazy bums. It's normal. So it's, it's not like 24 seven, they're kicking ass and taking names, but I feel like they know when they need to step up and like hit a home run 
and then they know when they can just like punt and like, you know, not hit it out of the park. And an example of this is I do push on things that are important, but on things that are not important, I don't expect them to be a superstar. When Hilton was in swim, swim class, I made them both take up to the, like the top level I think was called sharks. And so they, I made them take to the second highest level. I didn't make them do the top level, but it's a life skill. So I want them to be able to swim well. And this coach said to me, she's swimming too slowly. And I said, are her, her strokes are okay. And the coach, coach said, yes. I said, then let her do it any speed she wants because she's not going to the Olympics. So as parents, we can't push on everything. And that is, I think, one of the most important things for me to say to Singaporean parents, because I feel like so many push their children on every single thing they do. And they just, nobody's a rock star at everything. And there's a reason why so many kids, I think it's like grade six, grade eight piano, kids get to in Singapore and then they never play the piano again. So if, if they have passion and love for something, then we push really hard on that. If they're smart, I think we push on the academics too, because it's their job to be a good student right now. When Alfian was on the podcast, I asked him, you know, where is there a better place in the world than Singapore? Because he gets the rap of, you know, complaining about Singapore. And I think we often complain about the problems of the Singapore education system. But I would challenge anybody out there to tell me where they're doing it better. And I know that there's some real issues here. But I also think that the children are learning at an incredibly high level. The children are perhaps not being taught broadly enough in history, in my opinion, but I, I think that the system itself works. The challenge is that I think the parents really pushing the kids to excel at everything, and that weighs into the, the problems with the education system. I think children also peer pressure and you know children pushing themselves perhaps too hard. In Singapore, it's cool to be smart. When I was growing up, uh, girls were pretty or smart. And if you did really well on a test, I would be like, yeah, yeah, I did all right. And here it's like, you're like, cool, very, very cool uh, when you're a smart kid. And I like that. I think that we can uh, probably encourage creativity a little bit more uh, in Singapore. I think we could encourage humanities and the arts a bit more. I can sit and tell you all the things that can be done differently, but I think overall the Singapore school system is is pretty amazing. And I am grateful that my children have been able to go through the system. Very interesting question. And along the way, there have certainly been books, but I think the crazy thing for us that we have always required them um, is to be able to read an atlas and to look at any globe and be able to find countries around the world. And probably because we did that travel around the world, Jim and I traveled for three years, we visited 116 countries. And so I mean, many, many Americans especially couldn't find Singapore on a map. And so knowing uh, geography, knowing uh, the countries, that's always been something that we've really, we have countless globes uh, in my home. And so that's something that we've definitely encouraged. I often, when I read something in the Financial Times or uh, Straits Times, and it's an interesting piece that I think that they will enjoy. Recently, there was something on Taylor Swift. So I clipped that for uh, B to read because she's a Swifty. So is Hilton. But as far as books, sadly, I can't remember. I know that there have been books, but uh, it's not as though there was just one. But I have tried to parallel read at times with my girls so that we can, uh, you know, when when B was reading Animal Farm, uh, I read Animal Farm so we could talk about it. I think as children 
get a little bit older, many parents have a difficult time connecting with them. And so by reading what they're reading, also, uh, you know, being on TikTok and like seeing the stuff that they're doing, just kind of uh, knowing their scene helps you have uh, more interest and makes you maybe a little bit more relevant to your children. My girls have lots of piggy banks and for different currencies because before COVID when Jim was traveling quite a bit, you know, he would maybe bring a little something home and he would put it in the, the piggy bank for them so that they could start to understand savings. I think we have to teach our children about savings and they are required after Chinese New Year when they get the Hongbao, they give a certain percentage to uh, the school their school, which normally gives to um, the elderly, and then the rest will go into their savings account. And they have kind of a competition going on to see like who has more. And at one point, Hilton bought a Barbie, and so B had more in her savings account than Hilton, and B like rubbed it in her face. When they get their monthly statements and they see how little interest they're earning on their savings account, they're like, why is the number so low? So that leads to conversations. They had chores that they had to do, which would get them an allowance. I know a lot of people don't like an allowance. I like an allowance. And they had to earn the money. So yeah, I think that you have to have conversations on money. I My parents really didn't. And I thought that everybody made $100,000 only to grow up and you know, my first job making almost nothing. I was like, it's gonna be a long time before I'm making a hundred grand. So, you know, letting children know how much people make, letting children know how much things cost, uh, it's, it's part of the education. Because they're 14 and 19, I guess I wish I'd been more in the moment, uh, more often. When you are mothering, you're so worried about getting everything done and what needs to be done and what you're going to do that I think sometimes you don't really just sit in the moment and love it and feel it. When they are a newborn, like that first month when they can't do anything and they just sit there and you just look at the blob and you're like, oh my gosh, she's so pretty. She's, you know, so wonderful. And they, they're not doing anything. That's like in the moment, but that it kind of stops as they get older because you get so caught up in things. So appreciating the moment more. And what I wish I'd done less of is just overthinking and FOMO and, you know, just, just thinking that you need to do this because it's the right thing. No, do, I think, as, as parents and as families, we just have to do what's right for, for our children. And I think also we project a lot as parents. I was a dancer. I danced all the way through university. Dance was so important to me. And so, of course, I made my children take ballet. They did not like it. But I wanted them to like it and I wanted them to do it because I love it. And I guess it was probably, for Hilton it was P3 and for B it was P2 that I let them stop the Chinese dance. And we just, we can't make our children live our lives and relive our lives. So I always made them eat their vegetables. That was definitely a rule at my house. When some of their friends come over and are like, I don't eat vegetables, I'm like, How? what do you mean? You have to eat your vegetables. They make you smart and they make you grow. We all have to eat our vegetables. So that was a non-negotiable. My daughters have to eat their vegetables. They don't have to eat their dessert. You know, They don't have to eat the ice cream, but they definitely have to eat the vegetables. Pretty strict on bedtime when they were young. They went to bed super early compared to most people here. Uh, I think uh, in the West, the kids do go to bed earlier than um, most of the kids that I know here. 
Oh, I love to let them pick out their own clothes. A lot of parents like to dress their kids, but when they were young, I let them, like they would have on plaids with stripes and polka dots. And I mean, so sometimes when they look at their pictures when they were little, they're like, why did you let me wear that? And I'm like, cause that's what you wanted to wear. <laughs> and of course there are times, you know, if they're going to church with my parents, they have to dress a certain way. But for the most part, just let the children be children. They have enough rules. Well, I think as long as, you know, if they're going to a wedding or they're going to something that requires them to have a certain look, then of course you require it. But if they're going to the park and to play, let them be. Don't sweat the small stuff. Whatever your big issue is today, I promise issues are gonna be way worse in the future as they get older. <laughs> Just try to relax. Know that you're a good parent. Know that you love your child and they love you. And, and it's all gonna work out and manage expectations. That wraps another fascinating conversation to offer food for thought and a different perspective and inspire you to live life fully, professionally and personally. Hopefully you'll appreciate the tangible takeaways and meaningful stories. Message me on Instagram at Parker and let me know how we can do this better. As always, thank you for listening as together we pass the power.